As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, Chelsea have to settle for second after Zenit strike late. We preview Saturday's game against Leeds, round up the rest of the Chelsea news and do a quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts, ad-free on The Athletic and coming at you harder than a Sam Kerr body check. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Hello again, listener. Here we go with our Thursday show. Then it's me, Matt Davis Adams, joined by the Athletics Liam Toomey. Hello, and the great Sam Parkin. Good morning. Right later, we'll hear from the BBC's Adam Pope on all things Leeds United. But first, let's get to Wednesday in wintry Russia. Still time for Zenit St. Petersburg. They go long towards Zuba and into the back of the net, and Chelsea are pegged back. Right at the death. Well, there's a twist in the plot. We conceded six goals in two matches. We gave uh, four times the lead away in these two matches. Nobody can be happy today. Nobody. It's absolutely like now after the game, not 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 the moment to speak uh, about individual uh, performances. Nobody can be happy. Zenit 3, Chelsea 3, a bonkers game featuring some excellent moments and some really quite terrible ones. Uh, Ozdoyev's 94th minute equaliser, the final strike in a six-goal thriller in St. Petersburg, which condemned Chelsea to second place in the group and thus, theoretically, a tougher draw in the round of 16. Uh, Liam, let's start at the end. Thomas Tuchel sounded pretty cross when he addressed the media after the game and he had cause to be. Yeah, I I wouldn't have expected him to be any different really as as he said the second consecutive match with Chelsea conceding three goals and you know we know that they were two very different teams that took to the field but um but there were some there were some worrying signs uh, against Zenit I think even 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 though we're all aware that's not Chelsea's strongest team a couple of things struck me really um the first was it was a game that was reminiscent to me of one of the wilder matches of the Lampard era. And I mean that in all of the good ways as well as the bad, um, because I think in attack, they were more free-flowing and fluid than we've often seen under Thomas Tuchel. 
Um, they were they were back to sort of some of the more um, the less structured, imaginative combinations that that we that we saw in Lampard's best days. And Timo Werner looked very lively. Lukaku looked um, a lot more comfortable operating next to another striker with Werner as kind of like the Lautaro Martinez figure in that system. And they scored three goals, so they got they had a good attacking day. Um, but on the other hand, you know they were the press wasn't coordinated enough. The team structure didn't hold up for ninety minutes. They were far too easy to play through at times. Pretty much, you know, one of the only things that that wasn't uh, the same as some of you know one of the wilder Lampard games was that Kepper was really good. I thought, <laughs> despite conceding three goals, he he had very little chance. I know people criticised him for the last one, but that shot that Ozdoyev you know hammers in for the late equaliser that is a shot that Chelsea have not given up under Tuchel central position just outside the area Chelsea don't do that they get bodies in front of those those balls or, or they stop it even getting to the man and I think that was just a, a broader sign of the defensive deficiencies that that will really be frustrating Tuchel people really criticizing Kepper for that last goal it was amazing amazing strike he got a little touch of it too um Sam I know you were on uh, football league duty on Wednesday night. So you got in late, put the game on to watch it for the purposes of the pod. You probably rubbed your eyes in disbelief and thought, hang on, it says here Sal's playing left wing back and Reese James <laughs> is in central midfield. It was um it was random, but but necessary given the the injury problems Chelsea have got at the moment. And I, and I rubbed my eyes even more frantically when Sal picked the ball up on the halfway line with 30 seconds on the clock and and drove forward like a a peak Ryan Giggs. Um so I thought that was well, I was hoping that was a sign of things to come, but his performance plateaued a little bit in terms of um, positioning more than anything and just very one-paced, um, which, you know, you want a bit of dynamism in that in that left-hand side position. Um, and Rhys James, as, as Liam just touched on there, obviously he was guilty of, um, I think, playing square, giving the ball away, end of the first half maybe. That was a little bit of catching because that's where one of the goals came from. Ross Barkley doing the same. Loftus-Cheek did that at Watford. It's not something I'd associate when you've got Kante, Jorginho or Kovacic in the side, so secure in possession. So um, that was a little bit of a frustration. And of course, as Liam just mentioned there, that that position where the equalising goal came from, you'd expect one of your defensive midfielders or two of your defensive midfield players to be occupying that that um, area of the pitch so yeah I mean I've not seen them as ragged as that all season uh, correct me if I'm wrong Liam but it, it could have been four ch- uh, goals in that first half there was four big chances and Kepper came to the rescue and Werner came to the rescue last night those two guys aside of the fringe players if I can call them that who can be knocking on Thomas Tuchel's door because I'm sure that goes on at Premier League level as it does throughout the divisions if you're not playing you're sat on that bench and you're disgruntled and your attitude can can waver around the training ground you've seen kind of I can think of Alonso sat on the bench during this run when Ben Chilwell has been playing and he's not looked best please and it goes on you want to be playing nobody's got the uh, uh, nobody's got the right to be banging that door down after that last night you'll be interested to hear Sam and Matt that um, Chelsea's XG against was (laughs) 2.26 which immediately struck me as one of the highest since Tuchel took over. Um, and apparently my colleague James Benj um, tweeted that it's only the second time Chelsea have given up more than two 
expected goals against. The other time was against Liverpool at Anfield earlier this season when they played 45 minutes with 10 men. So I think that gives you a good idea. And obviously Zenit are nowhere near as good as uh, as Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool in full flow. So it gives you an idea of, as Sam said, just how ragged Chelsea were and how kind of uncharacteristic a performance this was without the ball. Looking for Lille, I guess, when the draws made, Liam, uh, in terms of opponents trying to avoid Bayern Munich, even Real Madrid looking all right these days. Obviously, Chelsea put them out last year, but but everybody who finished second in their, in their group is surely going to be hoping they get the French side. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I would consider Chelsea one of the four best teams in Europe and three of them are in England. So they couldn't have played Man City or Liverpool anyway in the next round, whether they'd won the group or come second. The, the real danger of finishing second is you could get Bayern very early and they are the other one of the four. Um, having said that, you know, Chelsea are, are in a position where they shouldn't be afraid of anyone in this competition. They they won it deservedly last year, um, beating everyone who was put in front of them convincingly. So I, th- I think if they do get drawn against Bayern, you know, you'd be looking at, at February, having all of your big guys back, ideally, certainly having that midfield strength back established in the team and you'd fancy your chances to 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 take them down over two legs but whether you want to be playing one of the four best teams in Europe in the round of 16 of the Champions League is another question and, and Chelsea could have avoided that if they'd taken care of business in Russia yeah really frustrating to finish second to Juventus after beating them 4-0 uh, we, we mentioned some positives though Sam you're the number nine amongst us. How big was that goal for, for Romelu Lukaku? Obviously, it was just a, a tap-in, but it, it ends the conversation about how long he's been without a goal, if nothing else. It does. And yeah, I'm sure he'd be pleased about that and to have the the, the combination with, with Werner um, looking a bit brighter. I'd, I'd love to see them paired for a few weeks because he looks like he needs minutes still. I thought he was a little bit... Sloppy with the ball into his feet on occasions. And I don't know if he's lost a little bit of fitness, having having missed some training time. Um, and, and hopefully he can get back to that level quickly that he, he showed when he arrived back at Chelsea. I think there's more to come from him. Being really pedantic. I don't think he actually caught that tapping. Um, it, it, it looked like he might skew wide for a, uh, for a moment, uh, a very worrying moment. But um, fortunately, he hit the back of the net and... Him and Werner should feel good about things, and there's, you know, there's been there's been moments, hasn't there? Ziyech coming on against Watford and scoring, obviously Mason Mount's goal at West Ham. But is there three players that are, are grabbing those shirts right now? Probably not. Probably not. So go with the guys that are most informed most recently, if that makes sense. And it would probably be the three that started um, last night's game, in, in my opinion. The one final thing I'd say about that Zenit game. Uh, the other big takeaway that I had from that game was was that it kind of underlines that as good as as deep as Chelsea's squad is, no squad is impervious to you know the slings and arrows of of injuries, particularly when they are targeted in one area of the pitch. And we've we've referenced you know Jorginho Kovacic, Kante being out. This is the first time in Tuchel's reign that all three of those players have been sidelined at the same time. And I think you're really seeing how it's changed the identity of this team. And they don't have other players in this squad that are clean fits to to do that job to to anywhere near the same level with and without the ball. The Reese James pivot experiment was an interesting one, but I don't think you can say it was a 
you know, rip-roaring success. Saul has looked completely lost in the middle of the pitch since arriving at Chelsea. Um, and then, you know, we've seen more than enough evidence at this point that Ross Barkley is not suited to that kind of deep controlling role, That's that level of defensive responsibility. So that there aren't any easy solutions to, to, for Tuchel. I think he, he just has to hope that Kovacic gets out of uh, the COVID protocols quickly and we don't quite know when Kante will be back yet. So So hopefully that's soon. Yeah, and Ruben Loftus cheek pulled up lame in the uh, in the warm up as well on Wednesday night. So difficult times for Chelsea. The brutality of the Blues' December schedule has been the hot topic for weeks. Things don't get any easier as Chelsea welcome Leeds to Stamford Bridge on Saturday. We'll look ahead to that after this. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Great game of Wembley, great game here. Chelsea coming from behind the Chelsea have won it. Chelsea have won it. And they're the Chelsea fans. The victorious Chelsea team, full marks to a side that can come from behind and win. And Chelsea versus Leeds United conjures up images of that famous 1970 FA Cup final, doesn't it? Uh, well, not for, for me because I wasn't alive, but still, heard all about it. The BBC described it last year as the most brutal game in English football history. No doubt that it's fueled the rivalry which has existed between the clubs ever since. Uh, we're an affable bunch, though, so we welcome our friends from Yorkshire onto the pod, specifically, in this case, the BBC's Adam Pope. Uh, Adam, thanks for joining us. How disappointed is Marcelo Bielsa going to be that he doesn't have Frank Lampard to try and outside this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is, for him, it was... Uh... It was an irrelevance last season, I think. I think it was more for Frank the way he was spending most of the time during that victory at uh, Stamford Bridge, looking at the opposing dugout. But uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it is now certainly by Bielsa, largely forgotten. It won't be by fans, of course. But uh, but yeah, different different animal under Tuchel. But yes, it was uh, it was something that raged, didn't it, from the Derby County days through to the Chelsea days. Thankfully, it's all put to bed as that Spygate thing now. Well, for a while. Mm-hmm. All good fun, wasn't it? Uh, other than injuries, what are your theories behind why Leeds have struggled so much at the start of this season compared to how good they looked last? Yeah, I mean, injuries is is a big factor. And even Bielsa has admitted that, you know, having, say, six is a is unusual. You know, he normally counts on losing four. But other than that, Matt, what I would say is that, you know, some of the players haven't fired quite the same way. I mean, Stuart Dallas was nine out of ten last year uh, as we know this year for example it, you know he suffered a really close bereavement to a, a close friend and I think uh, you know he's quite candid in admitting that that, that had affected him uh, and COVID has hit certain players twice Mateus Clip, for instance too so so that's been a factor 
Um, I don't get this second season syndrome at all. They're still trying to play the same way. Their problem has been they haven't really put a 90 minutes together until recently. And now we're starting to see something like the leads that we saw last season. Uh, Patrick Bamford's recently come back from from injury, a, a, a former Chelsea player, sort of. Uh, why is he so important to Leeds? Bielsa absolutely loves him, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's one of these players that, I mean, has done throughout his career, has divided people too. Uh, what he does for Leeds is that the press starts so high, it starts with him. And in his absence, which has been for more than two months until last weekend, um, it was really noticeable that the ball wasn't sticking. And, and that's been the major factor, that there just hasn't been that focal point up front. He's tried a few things, Rodrigo, Tyler Roberts, even Dan James, who's coming from Manchester United, has been playing at nine for a bit. But nobody can quite do it like Patrick. And don't forget, last year, you know, he got, what, 17 goals as well. So been a big miss. And, you know, you saw the, the joy and the jubilation when he when he scored you know, at the weekend because he, he's so needed. Um, looks like he's going to be out there as well for a little while since then. We'll find out more later. Adam, I'm going to uh, want to ask you about one of the unfashionable areas of the pitch, the centre of midfield, Chelsea's problem area at the moment due to, to injuries. Um, Forshaw seems to have hit the ground running since he's come back. Um, and also Calvin Phillips, is he over his little spat? Was there a spat with the, the boss? How are they looking in that department, which I think will be obviously important in this big game? Yeah, for sure, it's been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, to be out for two years and then come back from you know playing championship football, let's face it, to to as you say, hit the ground running, Sam, in the in the in the Premier League, and looking like he's never been away. I mean, it's incredible. What he's like a metronome for me. He keeps everything ticking over nicely, keeps it simple, but keeps it going forward as well. Never loses the ball. Very very rarely loses the ball. It's a phenomenal, it's, to be honest, Sam, it's one of my, if you're going to pick three things this season that I will look back on, or this year that I'll look back on, will be the applause he got after 88 minutes against Leicester when he came off Ellen Road the other week. I mean, everybody was so relieved for him that he'd got through, if you like, almost the 90 and, and had done so well and he deserves his place. So that's a huge bonus. Calvin Phillips is now looking at a lengthy spell on the sidelines, as we understand, waiting for the exact details. Some say it's a hamstring, some say it's a calf, but we'll know uh, today. Big, big blow. Nobody does what Calvin does, Sam. Um, Sitting in front of the back four or sometimes even sitting in the back three, but that ability to intercept, destroy and create, there's nobody quite like him. Um, They've tried a few others, Pascal Strauch, for instance, now, Adam Forshaw might be able to sit in there, but nobody's got the complete package like him. So without him, I think it's going to be a really tough sort of December, January and, and maybe beyond as well. A tough period coming up, but but Leeds will be encouraged by Chelsea's recent struggles, won't they? Yeah, but I think that the one thing we, we feel about Chelsea, I would say, from a Leeds perspective, last year was the was probably the game where we thought, wow, the Premier League is on a different level. Leeds started well, of course, Went to Stamford Bridge. I know they took the lead, but ultimately Chelsea was so superior in the end. And it was a bit of a, a humbling sort of experience. The first time you really felt, wow, there's a long way to go for Leeds to be able to compete at the top end of the Premier League. Yes, 3-3 last night, I suppose, with quite a change. So it's going to, you know, change things around a little bit in terms of perspective, the defeat to West Ham. But, you know, ultimately there's, there's a feeling that Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, all of whom Leeds have got to play away in, in December, in a different stratosphere this year. So nobody's under any illusions that it's going to be, be difficult. But we were speaking to Tyler Roberts just yesterday, and there's there's certainly an element of um yeah, excitement going into the games, no fear, and there's definitely a bit of revenge because 
Uh, Ellen Road last year, he could not believe he didn't score his first Premier League goal when Mendy made that absolutely unbelievable save under the bar, uh, which protected a point, of course, for for Chelsea. So, um, yeah, I think there's every chance that he, now that he's back in form, if you like, will probably start either up front or at 10 against Chelsea, obviously depending on the Patrick Bamford situation. But no, there's certainly no fear from Leeds, but I think you have to say that they're going in as underdogs into this game against Chelsea. There's no doubt about it. Adam, I wanted to ask a little bit about the fan perspective going into this because we're we're all well aware of the historic rivalry and, and ill feeling between Chelsea and Leeds. But I wanted to get your impression of how the Leeds fans kind of greeted the return of of battles against Chelsea last season and and what what they could what we could be in store for this season again in the two meetings between the teams. Yeah, it is a very interesting historical sort of animosity, isn't it? And look, people know that the the ancient or the arch rivals, Manchester United for Leeds, but but Chelsea is a special one. And I know, um, Matt, you referred to it there at the top with the, the 69-70 final, which went to replay and then it was and it was brutal. Um, the Ken Bates factor is a huge one as well. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I mean, you, you know, he was not liked when he was at Leeds United and and the and the Chelsea connections that came in uh, on top of it. And of course, there's the famous song about, you know, father telling son to go and get his gun and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's there and it'll always be there. Frank Lampard sort of reignited it all with his antics too. So, uh, so, so yeah, it's still very much there. I think last year, because I think the Chelsea game was the first game back with fans um, too, and although I think we had 2,000, it seemed to be double that inside Stamford Bridge. Um, I think also that gave a little bit of a taste of what it, what it could be like, but really it's going to be this year where we, where we see it again. And, there is an animosity. I mean, it's a song that gets sung a lot. You know, the Chelsea connection isn't liked. And just just as you think it might be fading away, there's always some Chelsea connection that comes back to uh, to sort of re- reignite the flames, really. But I, I wouldn't say that I feel that there's anything particularly different about this particular game at the weekend. I don't, I, I don't feel that. I think people are just concerned at the moment that Leeds need to get back on track and, and rediscover the form that they did last year, which, to be fair... Um, Liam and, and Matt and, and Sam and Lucy, they, they've they have done that in patches in recent times. You know, the run at the moment is not too bad, and I think yes, dropping two points against Brentford was was not ideal. They deserve to win the game, but ultimately they're not that far behind where they were last year. It's just that December looks a bit frightening when you look at the fixtures. That's all. It's a fascinating game in prospect, Adam. Thanks so much for your time today. Pleasure, no trouble. An audience with the Pope there. We bring you the very best guests on straight out of Cobham. Uh, in terms of the Chelsea team for this one, then Sam, you've alluded to it there. You go Werner nailed on, I suppose, after his performance and, and you're having him and Lukaku as a two for this match, are you? Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, you know, a lot comes down to the travel and the, the training and the, the schedule and... Um, yeah, who's looking sharp in training? I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, it's more, you know, probably down to the sports scientists and the physios at this stage. But yeah, I, I would stick with that. I think Havertz obviously uh, good at Watford, not so, you know, and obviously withdrawn at, at West Ham. And um, yeah, I think if you're looking at players that are in form, that could start the game, give you the structure that you want, and give you that goal threat, and try and build an understanding between Werner and Lukaku. It's something we spoke of so often the early part of this season when Lukaku returned. Could he replicate what he had at at Inter Milan with Martinez? Would that benefit Werner? Well, yeah, it's not 
the game with the highest stakes, maybe last night that Chelsea are going to play this season. But surely that's what we wanted and what we were crying out for. Two goals and an assist, get him in the side. And, and Lukaku, to me, looks like he needs money, um, needs minutes. Does, definitely doesn't need money up against an opponent <laughs> that's um, that struggled a little bit this season. Uh, Liam, I'm going to go bold and say we won't see a back three of Azpilicueta, Christensen and Saar on Saturday. Yeah, I suspect not, particularly Saar, um, in that he had some really costly defensive lapses. Um, yeah, that unit had very little chemistry, did it? I tweeted at half time that was a great first half for Rudiger's agent. Because, um, yeah, Chelsea have not looked good without Rudiger for quite a while. Um, we'll see. You expect the big guns to be back defensively, but I think it comes back to what, if any, solution Tuchel can find to the middle of the pitch. Like, Does he even put Andreas Christensen in central midfield? Just to have someone who, yes, we know Christensen will probably play quite safe passes. He won't, um, he won't control tempo as effectively as, you know, Chelsea's three top guys in that in that position. But he is reliable in terms of not giving the ball away, and he will get the sort of basic mechanics of Chelsea's system moving. So that that's maybe something you could do. But there, there isn't a, a, a clean um, a clean solution to all of this. Three o'clock kickoff at Stamford Bridge on Saturday. Always something to savour at those. We'll react to it in Monday's pod, of course. As well as the men, Chelsea women were in Champions League action on Wednesday. They hosted Juventus at Kings Meadow. A frustrating night for the Blues. A stubborn Juve side held on for a nil-nil draw. Means Chelsea have to avoid defeat away to Wolfsburg next week to be absolutely sure of qualifying for the knockout stages. Uh, the key takeaway from this game, Sam, Sam Kerr versus the pitch invader. An idiot got onto the pitch, tried to take some selfies. And so Sam just knocked him over. Harsh booking, I thought. Did you ever have to deal with anything like that in your playing days? Uh, no, just just jubilant um, pitch invaders. In the, <laughs> yeah, I can remember a few good ones. One at Adams Park once in the, in the rain, a late, a late winner for Swindon. Um, one at Ellen Road, actually. That's a bit more pertinent, isn't it? For, for the listeners and considering what's on the horizon, that was good. League Cup tie. Um, but no, I mean, this is a bit unprecedented, isn't it? I'm not sure, I'm not sure what I can say about it other than it was highly amusing. She's, she's perfectly entitled to do that, Liam, isn't she? I think, I mean, I can sort of see why the ref booked her, but at the same time, as Emma Hayes said, your first thought's got to be about your own safety and that of your pals. You can't just have random people wandering onto the pitch doing whatever they like. Yeah, and we also don't have all the context to what happened. Um, like we don't know if if words were exchanged, you know, once the once the person ran onto the pitch. F- from the limited, like from the sort of shaky cam footage I saw, they did seem to be sort of swaggering about a bit, hmm. um, and maybe asking for some sort of intervention from someone. Um, but it was quite funny just to see Sam Kerr absolutely body them to the floor. I mean, it wasn't, and I it, it was just a kind of get off get off the pitch it wasn't it didn't seem overtly violent to me so I think it's fine I'd love to see uh, like a, a body charge challenge like that between Reese James and Sam Kerr and see who came <laughs> off um, who came off worse probably never happened but there we go uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news the men's team will begin their FA Cup campaign with a home tie in the third round against National League leaders Chesterfield. And what was that we were saying last week about Chelsea always getting a plum draw in the FA Cup? Uh, the FA Youth Cup campaign gets underway this Sunday. Ed Brand's boys hosting Leighton Orient. It's a noon kickoff if you want to get down to Kings Meadow 
for that one. At the under-19s, meanwhile, rounded off their UEFA Youth League group stage campaign away to Zenit on Wednesday. A one-all draw for them means they qualify for the playoff round of the competition, which gets underway next year. Alfie Gilchrist got the Blues goal there. The draw for those playoffs take place next week. Uh, no game for the under-23s this weekend. They're next in action against Manchester United on Friday the 17th of December. Now that's the admin out of the way, let's get to the reason we're all here. The weekly quiz. Uh, three questions apiece then. Chelsea and Leeds, the theme here. Liam, you're up first. In the corresponding fixture this time last year, 2,000 supporters were inside Stamford Bridge. Before that game... How long had it been since Chelsea had played in front of a crowd? I want it in months, please. Oh. Um, so that was, what, November? Um, was you were leading me to give you a clue. No, 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 I'm not no. going to play ball. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking to myself. I'm thinking out loud. Um, so that was, I believe... No, that was December because it was the last... Pretty much the last positive game under Lampard. Um and things shut down in March. So I'm going to say nine months. Absolutely spot on. Well done. Um, really Love. enjoyed producer Lucy counting uh, on her fingers the months there when she's actually got the answers to the questions <laughs> on the <laughs> in front of her. Um, right, Sam, here's your first question. You are going to love this. Name three of the four musical instruments that current leads and former Chelsea striker Patrick Bamford can play. <laughs> Three of the four? Yeah. Violin? Correct. Cello? Nope. Do you know Liam? For some reason, clarinet came to mind. Clarinet is not right. I'll give you two more uh, guesses. I still can't explain uh, why it came to mind. He's, is he cool enough to play the guitar? Is it too obvious? <laughs> Has he done that in the latest, later part of his life? Could play Flute? classical guitar. Flute? No. Triangle? Uh, I'm, I'm going to move on from this. This has gone really badly. <laughs> Guitar, violin, saxophone, and piano. Uh, piano. Blimey. Yeah. He's one a one-man band. band. Should have yeah, got that. clever bloke. Right, unlucky Sam. Right, Liam, here's your second question. Before last season, Chelsea hadn't hosted Leeds at Stamford Bridge since 2004. The Blues won 1-0 that day, thanks to a Jesper Gronkjaer goal. Two of the Leeds starting eleven from that day are still Premier League players now. Well, one plays a fair bit, the, the other one... Not so much. Can you name those two former Leeds players still in the Premier League now? One very much a squad player, one still plays. James Milner's got to be one because he is Highlander. Yeah, yeah. If, if there's a question about Leeds or a player who's been in the Premier League for an awful long time, the answer is invariably James Milner. So yes, that's one. You need to get both to get the point. The other one. Um... Oh, 04, so it's longevity. Wondering if it's a goalkeeper. Again, trying to lead me to give you a clue. Uh, no, no, no. I'm just thinking. Just thinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for your poker tell on the Zoom. Um, no, you know what? I, there isn't even a name in my head. Sam? I've uh, got nothing for you. All I can see is Stephen McPhail. <laughs> not a bad shout, but it's not right. It was Scott Carson. Oh, I just oh, thought, yeah, I thought it was a goalkeeper. Yeah, 12th choice goalkeeper or whatever. I actually forgot he was at Leeds. <laughs> I mean, he's been everywhere, Scott Carson, hasn't he? That's the thing. 1-0 uh, to Liam then. Here is your second question, Sam. For whom did Michael Dubry score more goals for, Leeds or Chelsea? 
Well, he scored at Old Trafford. Schmeichel should have saved it. I should have asked him this when I shared a dressing room, shouldn't I? <laughs> Subsequently in Scotland, but we didn't speak about football much, mainly where we were going to go and eat in Glasgow. Um, Leeds, I can definitely see him getting what I think he got two or three at Chelsea. I'm going to go Chelsea. And lucky it's Leeds. You got oh my Leeds goodness. You aren't going to throw it over to me? <laughs> well, when it's like a 50-50 like that, I, I feel like, yeah, it's not worth it. Would have been a team this over is, and a tapping. This is tough today. <laughs> uh, Liam, here's your final question. So you still one nil up. I mentioned the much... So this is to win it, in fact. We'll, we'll do the third question for Sam anyway, should you do. I mentioned the much-vaunted 1970 FA Cup final between Chelsea and Leeds earlier. After a 2-2 draw at Wembley... Who got the winning goal in the replay at Old Trafford? Oh, come on. You're winding me up. Remember Liam's 15, Sam, so he might not remember it. (laughs) (laughs) He only gets a point if he gets the thrower as well and the near post (laughs) flick on. Listen, from the look of the expression on Toomey's face, he's not not plucked it out the air straight away. I think this uh, this could be a problem. Is it David Webb? It was David Webb, yeah. Blimey. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's an easy one for you to finish off Sam just, just just to get you on the scoreboard in January 2002 Chelsea beat Leeds 2-0 at Stamford Bridge Ida Johnson got the first that afternoon which Italian got the penultimate of his six Chelsea goals to make it 2-0 Ida genuinely annoyed by that third question for Liam Zola Di Matteo you got it, Liam. I, six, I missed the first goals, half of the question. Six goals, 2002 Italian. In January 2002, Chelsea beat Leeds 2-0 at Stamford Bridge. Idaka Johnson got the first that afternoon. Which Italian got the penultimate of his six goals to make it 2-0? <sighs> no, I've gone blank. If I was going to say that you'd done well in Pigeon Italian, this is what I might say. <laughs> No, Liam, just answer it because I've gone. <laughs> nah, done a bit. I was going to say if it was only six goals, I was going to say Casiraghi. Incorrect. Too late, Casiraghi. Like, like random, right. random player. Uh, That's all for I a had. Bit. He only got one Casiraghi. Yeah, he did. Away at uh, Liverpool, yeah. wasn't it? Or was that yeah. where he got injured? Phil Bab. Anyway, it's not Casiraghi. It's not Phil Bab. It was Sam Dalabona. Oh, yeah, of course. I used to drive him around West London for five years. <laughs> Didn't have a driving license. Was he not? Was he not banging on about the six goals he'd got? <laughs> oh no, they, they were in his future at that point. Hey, I tell you what, he was doing. Liam was lashing in balls from thirty yards in every youth or reserve game I ever played with him. The best strike ever. Not the best driver, clearly. But he never passed his driving test while he was in London. He certainly enjoyed his lifts to uh, South Ken or wherever he was staying at the time in somewhere a lot more swankier than I was. All right. Well, Liam gets the win there. Uh, Sam's slightly bitter about the nature of the questions, but uh, there we go. You guys love your your chance to to get revenge on me and Lucy in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Chelsea content available on The Athletic now includes Dom on Rom sort of getting his mojo back last night and Flo Lloyd-Hughes on a night of concerns for Chelsea women against Juventus. If you aren't currently a subscriber, theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go to become one. Uh, Sam, what game are you going to be at the weekend somewhere, presumably? Uh, I'm doing the youth team on Sunday. Looking forward to that. And um, Luton against near neighbours Fulham 
on Saturday afternoon. It's about time Chelsea won the Youth Cup again, isn't it? It's been a, been a few years. They'll, they'll be amongst the favourites. You'd expect them to get past Lake Orient. Yeah, and this is, I always say it, the old cliche, but I think it still stands up. It's the one they, they look forward to the most, I think. And it's the one that's probably provides the most pressure for the coaches as well, because you want to keep it going and emulate what Jody Morris and people have done in recent times. So yeah, the players will be looking forward to it. The schedule has been ridiculous recently. So again, they'll be in that office today, um, juggling which players are available, who's needed for what teams and who's played the most minutes because it's been pretty relentless with all the travelling. Uh, Liam, being a law-abiding citizen, you'll have to wait for match of the day before you can see the best bits of Chelsea versus Leeds. I was just thinking, I, I think the Premier League should do like a, a journalist paternity subscription uh, to like the same feed that the bookies have for these th- Saturday 3pm games to, to stop me resorting to uh, breaking the law. Not that I do that, of course. Um, I'm, I'm sure that's probably available. Costs about <laughs> £50,000 per game or something like it does for a pub to show it, but I'm sure the Athletic will pay for that for you. It would also be an astonishingly specific solution just for me. <laughs> um, I was just looking at it thinking, like you look at the fixtures, Man City at home to Wolves, Chelsea at home to Leeds, Liverpool at home to Villa. Chelsea are probably going to have to win just to keep the table looking as it is. Yeah, it's a big game. Really looking forward to it. I'll be at Stamford Bridge for that and we will, as I say, react to it in Monday's pod. Until then, have a great weekend. From all of us here, it's bye for now. The Athletic.